0: Hello, everyone. This is Jerry Lee, and I'm so happy to have you with us today. God bless each and every one of you. We're going to um, continue in search of angels, and uh, this is going to be quite an in-depth um, <clears throat> study with a lot of scriptures. Um, we will not be able to To finish this today is just too involved and long of a subject, uh, so it's going to have to have at least a third um, deliverance uh, of the word on it, uh, which will be In Search of Angels number three. Uh, We want to um, uh, thank you for uh, being online with us, and we want you to invite others, tell them about it, Uh, We don't have a big advertising program going on this, but uh, there would be an awful lot of people out there that would love to be able to listen in on uh, this type of a word. And uh, you would be probably amazed uh, if you really knew uh, how many uh, people, a very large number of people, I'm I'm sure, would be very, very interested to hear the type of uh, teachings uh, such as what we've done today. Now, you will hear scriptures used, that are not normally used. They're Bible, of course, but they're not normally used because people don't know how to apply them in general. Uh, let's look at uh, <coughs> Philippians 3.13-15. through 15. <coughs> Okay, here it goes. This is what it says. Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And I want to comment every time I read a scripture because there's just so much. One of the things that is necessary for the people that are going to get into this destinata revelation is they are going to need to be willing to forget and, uh, and, and uh, put some things behind them, they're going to have to put some things behind them that they have believed, that they have thought were 100% correct, and they're going to have to be willing to forget it and go on to, uh, to what the next verse says. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if in and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Now there are many stages of perfection, but when you reach a point uh, of a perfection in which you are uh, in total focus, uh, understanding a particular aspect of something, uh, that is that is what it's talking about. But then it, it leaves an allowance, and it says. Uh, you know, there are other things that you may be otherwise minded on. And it says, yeah, God shall reveal even those things to you. So that is exciting to me. The prospects of not only perfecting uh, aspects as we go along, but the prospects um, of, of perfecting not only the aspects of the word, Uh, that we understand, but then going beyond that to other dimensions of the word that are deeper and more prevalent along certain lines. Now, it is time, and I invite you today, to come to a transpersonal realm of consciousness. I want to endow upon you, I want to bestow virtues of angel knowledge. There is Nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. But I invite you today to wisdom that is from above the sun. There's a super uh, verse or so I want to read you here. Uh, In Romans 1.18, I'm reading the MIV, which is the uh, Manifest Peace Bible uh, version of it. Uh, The displeasure of God is revealed from heaven against those and let's stop right there a minute there are times that there is revelation from works that have been done on earth that are revealed on earth and then there are times that there are revelations to be revealed from above the earth and even above the Sun that shines on the earth uh, that is to be revealed uh, you know from from the heavens so Let's read this again. The displeasure of God is revealed from heaven against those ungodly and unrighteous persons who hold back the truth by their unrighteousness. Now we're dealing with this today, that there are a lot of revelations. There's a lot of manifest truth. There's a lot of of deep insight that has been held back. There are even those people that are in the Uh, presentation of the word who have noticed these things but have been afraid to mention them because of offending maybe uh, their particular denominational line uh, or crossing the uh, permittability of what their uh, particular doctrine uh, uh, allows. But I want you to know that that is not pleasing to God. God is saying here in this word of Romans 1.18 that people that have held back the truth have done so in unrighteousness. Therefore, that which should have been made known of God that was made manifest by God and shown has been hidden. Then then it goes on in the next verse. For the invisible things of God from the beginning of the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Even the M's eternal power and Godhead. And of course, there's a lot of speculation as to Godhead and what that's all about. And I know a lot of people will say, well, that's the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. And, and that all has a part in... Uh, you know, one of the levels uh, because there's the 30, 60, and 100-fold level of insight which is uh, uh, revealed in Proverbs in which it talks about the the three different levels that are possible uh, to know the Word of God. And uh, I would like to use the... I would like to use the Godhead in this meaning today as being the body, the spirit, and the soul, consciousness. Uh, I think that that will add a lot of reality to what we want to talk about today. So it is, whoever has heard such truth is without excuse. There's no excuse to not allow this truth to be discussed do not allow this truth to come out so that it can be aired and people can have a choice to decide if it's the Word of God or not. <clears throat> now last, a um, uh, couple of weeks ago, we mentioned the angel of the presence. And um, in your Bibles, in uh, Isaiah 63, it talks, about, um, it talks about the angel of the presence. And uh, we want to um, to read just uh, a touch on that. This is Isaiah 63, 8 through 9. For he said, Surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their Savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them, In his love and in his pity he redeemed them and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. You need to understand this revelation of the angel of the presence has been around for a long, long time. And it's such a shame that it hasn't been manifested in the glory that it belongs to be manifested. Well, tonight you're going to hear some scriptures that will absolutely uh, want to make you stand up and clap your hands when you really get the, the insight of all that there, there is to say. Now, let's for instance, um, let's look at an incredible spirit, uh, scripture as we begin to um, verify by the scripture the angel of the presence. Do you as an individual have an angel of your presence? Absolutely you do. Your spirit is your angel of the presence because that spirit has been around a whole lot longer than your body has. And some of you who have read the Seven Thunders book, uh, you you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's look at an amazing scripture. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And let's look at chapter 2, and this is exciting, this scripture here. Okay, here we go. Um, It says, your faith should not stand, we're on verse 5, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Before the world, before the world, there was a hidden wisdom, a mystery of God that was ordained unto our glory, it was before the world, before this planet was made, before earth existed, there was a plan, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Then it goes on, verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now take note that in most of the versions, um, the the various uh, Bible versions that are out there, the Spirit is capitalized because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. But in verse 11, Spirit in King James and, and most of your uh, uh other versions are not capitalized because the context is pretty uh, p- context is pretty clear for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of god knoweth no man but the spirit of god now there's some cr- incredible things offered here number one that there is a spirit a spirit in in human beings, in each human person. Because in the book of John, it says every person, every human that is brought into the world is born into the light. So every person has this light. But no man knoweth it because they don't have the memory of it. Only by revelation, only by manifestation can people come into the knowledge of of the memory of this thing or of these things. <clears throat> so, when we are not able to access our body, spirit, then we have to learn through things that are revealed by God, by the, by the Holy Spirit, through ministry. But here is an incredible thing. I read it again. For what man knoweth the things of God... For what man knoweth the things of God save the spirit? Now, let me let me get this right so we don't don't miss it. Save the spirit of man which is in him. In other words, there is a spirit in man that knows the things of God. So when Jesus in the fourteenth chapter of Saint John was talking about his father's house and was talking about where he was going to be leaving and ascending to, He said, where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Peter spoke up and said, Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing, what are you talking about? We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. So, here you have a perfect example that Jesus was totally aware that their spirit had this knowledge. And totally aware that the spirit was the angel of their presence. He also understood that they had not grown up enough in the word that he had preached. In the things that he said, I have many things to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. But I'll tell you this, no man has ascended to heaven save he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And... You know, they they just didn't catch on to some of those incredible revelations. But the beautiful, incredible thing here is it's right in the Bible. It's right there. The Spirit in us knows about these things of God, and that belonged to us, that knowledge. It belonged to us before the foundations of the world. So that Spirit that has this knowledge that is in us is the angel of our presence. Our spirit is our angel. And it's the the one thing about us that is eternal. Our physical body is temporal. Our many attributes and virtues of the physical body belongs to a temporal world. But the spirit has total eternal capabilities. Now let's go on. Let's let's check some other scriptures because you know there's there's lots of scriptures. Let's look at Acts. Let's look at Acts. Um, let's get into Acts 12 because there is a very very interesting uh, scripture in Acts, and we're going to look at that. It has to do with um, with, with something that I, I think you'll pick up on this, and, and all of a sudden you're going to say, "My God, I just never." I never noticed that before. I never realized that that was there. And you're gonna hear a little rattling because I mean there's so many scriptures that I have to turn to. Uh, you know that's uh, just something I guess we'll all have to have to put up with a little bit of rattling. Um, but um, let's let's look then at Acts uh, Acts 12, and here is what it says. And we're talking about Acts 12, 13. And as Peter knocked at the at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhonda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for the gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now, you have to understand what was going on. Peter... Had been in jail, and he was uh, put in there under the um, under the rule of Herod, and uh, they really were planning on putting him through some uh, tough ordeals and probably death, and he was so involved with security that they had two soldiers that they were that Peter was chained to and he was kept with these uh, two soldiers and there was the keepers that were before the door that kept the prison but then in verse 7 of chapter 12 the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison now if you look that up in the Greek concordance you'll see that it means a light flashed into the prison. There was a signal code there. There was energy being put in as a flash into that prison. And that light um, vibrated against Peter on the side and raised him up. And the angel said, Arise up quickly. And as soon as he stood up, And made that effort, the chains that were on him fell off of his hands. And the angel said unto him, Girt thyself and bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and he followed him. And this is incredible. When they got to the big gate of the prison house, the Bible says in verse 10 that it opened to them on its own accord. This was molecules and atoms, ladies and gentlemen, behaving according to a, a function of a spiritual presence. And this is the situation in which Peter comes to the door where the disciples have gathered and other believers and their they're praying for uh, Peter, and uh, they're really concerned about the persecution uh, that is going on with Christians. Uh, even at that time, uh, you know, they just barely had been known as Christians. And this damsel comes to the gate. It's obviously a gate that's outside the house, and it must have been pretty solid piece because she could hear his voice and she recognized Peter's voice. Probably, you know, how the wood or whatever it would be of those days would never be so tight that you couldn't sort of see through it. So I'm, I'm sure she not only recognized his voice, but she saw enough glimpse that she knew, yes, that's Peter. And she runs in and she tells the disciples. And the disciples, they just say, you don't know what you're talking about. You're... You just have some kind of a vision. You're just, you're off the base of reality. Uh, Peter is in a tight bond in prison. And he's under Herod's close scrutiny. There's no way that he can get out. So, this lady would not let them get by with that. She knew it was Peter's voice and she constantly affirmed that it was Peter that was out there. And finally they said to him, and this is the important thing, it is his angel. Now, understand, when it's his voice and when it looks like him, it's his body, and then they say, This is his angel that's out there wanting in, but it's not actually Peter. But it's his angel. Well, isn't that interesting that his angel is understood by them to look like Peter, to sound like Peter, because it's the angel of the presence. In just a bleep of time that they would figure possible to be out there knocking. And you would think that would be exciting to say, oh, well, let's go and let's invite in the angel uh, of of Peter. Let's invite him in. But, you know, these disciples are so scared and afraid that uh, they're just sort of holding back on some of this deep revelation because of their fear. But anyway, when they finally do go out, which I guess was to let in the angel of the presence, it turns out to actually be angel of the presence in Peter, but also eh, the, the Peter in the flesh, in the body. And then, of course, he tells them the story. Now, this, I think, is another very good example of the spirit in a person being recognized as belonging to that person because they take on the character of that person, the sound, the looks, and they are the angel of that person's presence. That's another beautiful scripture, that really applies, and is is just just beautiful. Now, let's look at another another scripture, uh, extremely interesting. Turn with me to um, the book of Hebrews, book of Hebrews um, one seven, Hebrews one seven. Okay, so. This is very interesting and this should really, this should do a job for you. Because, you know, this, the Word of God is speaking in a marvelous scriptural way. Okay. Now, i got several, um, several Bibles here. Uh, because we've got so many scriptures. And I just have to make sure I picked up the right Bible. Oh, evidently. It's another one that I need. But I, I, I'm excited about, about this kind of a word, you know. I, I know that, um, that it's something, ladies and gentlemen, that, that is going to change your life. It's going to change your life because truth has a way of doing that. When you really begin to hear the truth, it changes you. It, 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 it wipes out the darkness. It, it turns around the world. Okay. Now, this is the first chapter of Hebrews, and here we are. Got the right Bible this time. All right. Chapter 1. And of the angels he saith, chapter 1, verse 7, And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, small case, and his ministers a flame of fire. All right. Two descriptions. Two different names. Now, who maketh his angels' spirits? Oh, interesting. What were the angels called, or what were they, before they were made to have a spirit? Even animals, the Bible says, have spirits. Even animals. The Bible says the spirit of the beast Beast goes downward, the spirit of man goes upward. I think that's in Ecclesiastes. So, what is it really saying when it says, Who maketh his angels spirits? What is it really saying? Because we know that in the spiritual side of things, that the Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, these angels, these messengers, were always spirits. So what is it saying? Well, it's talking about an assignment, uh, a state of condition. It's saying that these angels who were failed messengers, of which the Bible says in the 12th chapter of of revelations, that one-third of the stars of heaven, which it describes in the book of Job, Job 38, that the morning stars that sang together with the sons and the sons of God, all collectively being one thing, existed before the foundations of the earth, and were rejoicing at that time in the works of creation. And these angels that failed due to the war that happened in heaven, we can't go too much into that tonight, we'll go some into it, that uh, they came down because one-third of the stars were, came down and crashed, so to speak, upon the earth, not as literal stars, but stars being symbol, symbolic of angels. Which you can find that all through the Bible with a little bit of research on your part. And so, what is saying and disclosing? Who makes his angel spirit is that these angels were made to be spirits inside of human beings of flat flesh. They were chosen by God in order to get reborn, be born again. The salvage message, which is the salvation thing, that is translated to, was all for the purpose of helping these angels to overcome some mistakes that they made, and they were made, they were made angels uh, in of and with their and their spirits. Are uh, as messengers, they were made spirits uh, that were uh, given the, the opportunity and the destiny to go and take on uh, a matter, uh, enter into the darkness of matter, into the chains of matter, uh, hu- our human bodies. And that's what the scripture is talking about. Make it as angel spirits, because it isn't talking about that then it doesn't make sense any other way. Because they've always been spirits. But he makes his angels spirits in bodies, and then he's describing that next, and his ministers a flame of fire. And ministers, of course he's talking about the people in human bodies that are working toward being destinatis, that are working with the five uh, with the hand of God, fivefold hand ministry. It's the kind of thing it's talking about. And so you got the human body, which is a flame of fire, and that's what the human body is. It's an electrical body. And it's full of fire. And also there's there's a second side to that, a sixty fold side, meaning the word of God being spoken by the by the flesh, and the word was made flesh. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So there's more than one interpretation of the word of the of Word, and there's more than one interpretation of this thing of the flames of fire here. I, I hope you can take that in and see that angel of the presence, because it is such a revelation. It is such a thing. Hey, the angels he saith. Who were, who were made spirits, in put as spirits into bodies. Now, why can't we have? There recently was asked on one of the latest blogs that I did. Uh, um, there was recently asked, um, you know, if if this angel, of the presence, is within us, and it's you know so powerful, knows so much. Why does the human body, with all of its tendencies for sin and Ignorance and and mistakes. Why does it uh, not have, you know, um, uh, why is there not more influence, let me say, of this angel within us? Why can we have these two situations that seem to be almost opposite together? And then I answered that by saying, well, the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So the spirit, which is, the angel of the presence is made subject to the human body. And that is the subjection that it is talking about. And the angels were made spirits. Angels were made spirits subjected to the human body. And only by an understanding and coming into the uh, allowance of giving consciousness and remembrance, to the angel of the presence? Can we have an advantage of the knowledge that is already known by the angel of the presence? And so Jesus promised the disciples, and he promised all the others who were interested to receive a baptism of the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost, that in the process of this baptizing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them into all truth. And the process of that was it would it would do so by bringing all things to their memory. Bringing things back to their memory. And so as these things are brought back to their memory, and we're receiving the Holy Spirit within us, and within us is also the angel of the presence, uh, in the right functionings of the Holy Spirit, the memory of the angel of our presence can begin to return. And the knowledge that is already there uh, is ours and belongs to us and always has been ours and always has belonged to us. All right. I hope you're doing okay with all this so far. There's another scripture. I'm not going to turn to it, but it says the same thing as the Hebrews 1.7, and it's Psalms 104.4 now we want to look at another scripture on this uh, in the book of Zechariah so if you can turn with me to the book of Zechariah uh, there is a very interesting scripture there and let's see if i'm in the right bible here or not uh, possibly it's the other one and we'll get it all down though um, it's extremely um, a deep thought. I, I I don't say that it's just something simple, Simon. That you don't have to uh, put some real uh, heavy thought into. There is a lot of thought that's involved in you know coming to the understanding of of, of what that all means. Um, it it is um, is no doubt uh, something that uh, that we're going to. Uh, have more and more of this revelation, and it's going to get deeper and deeper. And so the people that are listening are going to have to come to the point that uh, they, you know, that the, that they have gone beyond uh, just playing around. They're going to have to get really, really serious. They're going to have to study the word to show themselves approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, in, in a workman that needs not to be ashamed. That that is absolutely part of the revelation of, of the Word of God and that God is asking of us. Okay, now let's look in, in, in uh, Zechariah chapter 1 and uh, verse 13. Now this is a very, very deep uh, revelation. And I don't think I'll get into the revelation of the myrtle trees But in this uh, revelation, uh, starting in verse 9, Then I said, O my Lord, what are these? And the angel that talked with me said unto me, I will show thee what these be. And the the man that stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are they whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro. Through the earth. Now, there's many, many interesting things in this revelation, and there's a total meaning to what myrtle trees mean. But uh, you know, I don't think we have the time to get into that today. But this um, angel and this man, who's in the middle of the myrtle trees, is all very, very interesting, and he's attached to those that are walking to and fro. Well, it's very interesting that that is one of the titles that is mentioned about Satan goes about as a roaring lion. Also, it also mentions about, you know, the spirits walking to and fro the earth. That is something that the spirits do, whether they're good spirits or bad spirits. Evil spirits try to possess human beings. And there's a definite reason why they do, uh, which eventually we'll maybe get to talk about that. But there's definitely a reason why the good spirits that fill are, are uh, in possession is for the works of salvage. That's the that's what they have to go through. They have to find themselves. They have to, to rediscover the angel, of presence, who they are. And um, in this case here is you know uh, in just the in the translation. Uh, when it says, and the angel, uh, in verse 14, so the angel that communed with me saith unto me. Actually, it would be just as correct, um, Hebrew translation-wise, to where it uses the word with, to say within, because it comes from off of the same Hebrew uh, inference. So the angel that communed within me said unto me cry thou saying thus saith the Lord of Hosts this angel within me knows about the Lord of Hosts knows who the Lord of Hosts is knows that the Lord of Hosts is is Yaviel is is Jesus Christ and it is so beautiful when you understand all the knowledge that is available by the angel within you once you can release that angel within you once you can set it free It's got all this knowledge and when they just take the option because they don't understand the revelation and they just take the option which there is a lot of versatility in the Hebrew and Greek and even English languages. You can go different ways with it. But by understanding it contextually and by understanding the meaning of the man in the turtle, you know, in in the myrtle trees. And the meaning of that, now you begin to get this association and the term that's used, man, you, you get the contextual understanding that it is actually talking uh, of, of the angel that communed within me. And that is such a difference. And so very, very, very important. Okay. Now, <clears throat> if you want to refer to a little information on that, you can look at Strong's 1696 in the Hebrew uh, Dictionary Concordance. Okay, um, let's, um, let's talk about something else. Uh, this one here is very interesting. Let's talk about the angel of Christ's presence. We read it, uh, to you in Isaiah 63, 8 through 9, about that the angel of his presence saved him. Let's understand, really, who the angel of Christ's presence is. If you look at Strong's uh, concordance, Hebrew concordance, around the 222, and then there's other numbers close to that, that talk about uh, names that, have, that are relative. Uh, if you look at, um, at, at this, you will find that there is a name called Uriel, that's Uriel. Now Uriel, um, in many ancient writings and books, is uh, an angel, an angel of light. There were two Israelites that were named Israel, uh, that were named Uriel, and um, uh, this is really part of the of the teachings of the lost language, lost language of Ah, uh, the 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 language. Uh, that um, has been revealed uh, to the manifest revelation which uh, you know we've yet to really even open that up to any extent at all but it shows how that there are names throughout the Bible especially Old Testament but also in the new that tell a story but like let's say for instance if we were talking about um, in the United States where there is a building that is a museum or there is an airport, let's say Kennedy Airport. Uh, and we think, uh, y- you know, um, uh, oh, well, there's an airport. That's where they, they have these uh, aircraft come in and out. But the fact that the airport has a name Kennedy has an additional story to it if you just know it. And it's about a man that who is a human. But not just any human. He was a President of the United States at one time. And then he was assassinated. So there's a whole interesting story about killing the airport when you take it back in the lost language of its meaning. In that particular case, it's not a lost language. But in other cases in the Old Bi- uh, Testament, in the old part of the, of the Bible, there are many words there that that were named of rivers of mountains, of lands, of people that actually refer to stories, that actually refer to revelation and insight. And so the revealing of that insight by having just a particle of the truth and having that particle of truth manifest it allows a person to know a story that otherwise would be lost. And that is what the manifest has done with a lot of text that has been lost by uh, being able to bring to life again through the various names that were given to people, nations, lands, mountains, rivers, streams, be able to bring forth what the real meaning of that was. So that name, which is an incredible name, Uriel, uh, which means um, angel of light, You know, that that is an exciting thing. When you look at some of the other names that are relative to it, they're a part of that name, uh, a part of that root. um, um, Uriah, uh, which is equal to meaning uh, 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 Urija, 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 or Uriah, it becomes very, very, very important to understand some of the names. Um, it's the angel of the flame. Um, it's the uh, angel of of remembrance. Or it means Yahweh remembers or Yahweh remembers. Uh, it is the name of, of it's the name of of Yahweh of Yahweh of Yahweh, and uh, because it is the name of the angel so when Jesus says i am the light of the world he's revealing the angel of his presence and 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 the real eternal within himself person that he is and it's a beautiful wonderful revelation when you begin to come into into all those things that that are part of, of the deep insight that God has uh, revealed. Even when you look at the urim and thummim, that word urim is associated with, you know, Uriel and uh, Urijah and Uriah and um, the high priest would wear the stone of the Urim in the thummim over his heart. And it also, those stones meant perfection of lights. So we can see the connection is so beautiful. Going all the way back to the Old Testament and forward into the New. The angel of his presence, Uriel, I know there's other stories in the book of Enoch. Other stories about the angel Uriel. You have to remember a lot of those things. The way they're given, uh, when they are in the original text, uh, are just uh, sometimes parables or visions, and they have to be properly interpreted, just like the Bible, for a person to really know uh, if you're if you're revealing something that's in context, not only within those books but in context of the Bible. Because if something is not in context of the Bible, then there's a lot of questions in my mind. What are you going to base back on? (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, let's go on. Wow, there's so much. So, our body is a compound being. We have a body, and we have a spirit, and we have a soul. Now, the body... Also, uh, claims for being a soul, uh, small s o u l. That 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 can that can refer to animals. That can refer to you know to the body. But when we're talking about this priceless soul, that all the world wouldn't be worth trading for it. If you gained the whole world and lost your soul, it wouldn't be worth it. That's a capital S. Uh, S. that's a spirit soul not a body soul and so then you have the body and then on the we could say the left side call it a throne if you want um, is a spirit on the right side is the soul and I don't know if we'll have time to get into that tonight. When uh, God, uh, Jesus said, talked about, you know, God only God having the power to um, allow those who were to sit on His right side with Him, because we start talking about the right side, the left side, there is a real meaning to that, that has a lot of application, and uh, you know we'll get into it as much as we can tonight. But uh, we, we have definitely a limitation of time. Okay. Now, um, let's just, uh, a person says, well, all those kind of applications, I just don't know. Let's give you an example. Let's look at, um, let's look at the uh, book of Revelations. Let's go to Revelations uh, 22. And let's just see uh, something very, very interesting there. In Revelations 22, okay? So, we're going to see how that, um, in Revelations 22, that there is something mentioned that a lot of people apparently have never read, or at least have never read it the way that it's written. Let's start with verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, now we assume that the midst of the street of it would refer back to chapter 21, verse uh, 21. Chapter 21, verse 21. Um, And the 12 gates were 12 pearls, and every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. So we assume that in continuity the context, that the street is this pure gold. And then on either side of the river, <coughs> now you would admit that if there's a river floating down through the land, that it's going to have a right side to it. It's going to have a left side. And then it's going to have the main body in the middle, which is sort of also the street as far as, you know... Uh, Shipping, uh, boating, fish, various kinds of life. Uh, That's their street. But listen to this. I know most people thought there's only one tree of life. But not according to the Bible. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river. Okay, let's see what we're looking at. Let's see what we're looking at geologically. In the midst of the street, that's one. On either side of the river, that's add two to it. There's a right side and a left side. So we got three positions. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Sounds like three trees of life to me. On either side of the river was a tree of life. In the middle where the street of gold was, was a tree of life. Three trees of life. All of them for yielding the the twelve uh... The 12 kinds of manner of fruits, 12 circuits, you could call them, and it was every month. So there's it's 12, and it happened 12 times a year. And the leaves of the tree, not necessarily the fruit, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There's incredible revelation there, would you not say? So we have to be very, very careful about thinking that we have fulfilled an understanding of the Bible and that we know all that there is to know because this is the extent of what we've been taught in some uh, workshop or some denomination. There is much, much that has been held back. and These are the days that this revelation is being made known. And this is a time of classic revelation, exciting revelation, absolutely exciting revelation. Now turn with me to um, the book of uh, John, um, the Gospel of John. Turn with me to the 14th chapter. We made a reference to this earlier. We're going to do some more referencing. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if he's talking about, as most people think, the heaven of heavens, which we call in the manifest, the first domain, then it's quite a revelation that at this late time in earth, which is not late, late, but it's still it's been a lot of a uh, living and dying going on, that there is still not a place prepared for the living and the dying. And that it has to yet be done. I go to prepare a place for you. I can't stay around. I have to go back. Because I have to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I'll come back and I'll get you and I'll take you with me to the place that I have prepared for you. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that that, that means that's not talking about Earth. Someone says, Yeah, well what about the thousand year millennium? What about it? A thousand years is not that long. It's not forever. Sure, there's a period of time. And and who really knows what the thousand years mean? Thousand actually is the a very important uh, letter in the uh, Hebrew alphabet. <coughs> and uh, it's also the number of, of Jesus Christ. But we're not going to get on that subject tonight, I don't believe. But he's... Going to go away and prepare a place, come back and get his people, and he's going to take them to a place where he's prepared. And he says, I want you to be where I'm going to be. And whether I go, you know. And the way you know, and Thomas, it was Thomas rather than Peter that said unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest. And how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come into the Father but by me. But I want you to begin to see these things in the word of God. The, the, the Bible is full of this. There are dozens and dozens and hundreds of scriptures that have not been unfolded. Some of the greatest scientists on this earth are now beginning to say that if the human species is going to survive, and they're talking not necessarily by 10 or 15 or 100 years from now, they're talking in the ultimacy of time that there sooner or later are going to, there's going to come disasters up on the earth just as a result of natural consequences. He says, if they're going to survive, they're going to have to go out. And they're going to have to begin to live on other planets. Interestingly, they just discovered there's water on the moon. It's just a matter of time, ladies and gentlemen. These things are going to happen. And there, there are scriptures that have been given that, uh, that tell us that, uh, that these things are all part of the plans of God. You know, uh, the Bible talks about uh, planting the heavens. And uh, that's um, in the book of Isaiah 51:16. if you want to look that up for yourself. We're going to plant the heavens from the foundations of the earth. People are going to go out. That's why I'm, I want to tell you that I cannot go along with these people that are bringing the end of this earth to happen in the year uh, you know, uh, uh, 2012. Uh, I cannot, I cannot accept uh, those kind of ideas. They're false. And uh, these new movies that are coming out uh, that basically show the Earth all being covered with water, uh, due, due to uh, violence that causes a huge tsunami type of thing to happen. Uh, listen, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Bible says that that's not God's not going to let that happen again. The world's not going to be covered with waters again like that. So, do we believe the Bible or do we believe believe the man's who who uh, uh, tortured, um, killed little children, uh, all kinds of people, and did it in the most cruel uh, methods that that can even be imagined? We're going to believe that story, or are we going to believe The Word of God. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that we were not to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled with these things that are happening. And why did he say that? Because he was basically telling us that there's always going to be earthquakes. There's always going to be men's hearts failing them for fear. There's always going to be famine. You're going to have the poor with you always. Those things are just an ongoing epitaph of what's happening here on earth. And they're going to continue. And then he said, but this is not the end. This is not the end. And he went on further, he said, this is only the beginning of sorrows. Do you think people are willing to read that and understand that? For some reason, it reminds me of people in the days of Romans when they Wanted to go into, the, into, into these large gatherings and they wanted to, uh, to watch, uh, you know, people kill one another. Even have beasts come out and fight with beasts. Sad. But there's just an awful lot of that that lives in the beast mentality of a lot of human beings. Jesus said, you're always going to have this, but it's not the end. It's only the beginning of the sorrows. As you're going to see as we get further into the revelation that the bible really says time is going to go on there is a covenant that God has made and it's in the bible and then it's verified in the new testament that it cannot be broken <coughs> excuse me it has to do with humankind's humankind having a covenant with God for one thousand generations And we find out that a life generation, according to the 90th 90th, uh, chapter of Psalms, that a a life generation, we'll get into more detail on that, is 70 to 80 years. So we're talking 70 to 80,000 years that that the covenant that God made with man is going to go on. And that's a long time. We haven't even begun to get into it. Haven't even begun to get into it. As you, you know, your life is going to be finished. Other people are going to come and live. It's going to go on and on and on. But even in that 70,000 or 80,000 generations, compared to the, the timelessness of the other side, it will be an alpha and omega meeting at the same instant. So that everybody will... Live at the same time, die at the same time, and go into eternity at the same time. Hard to fathom, hard to understand. Well, spiritual things take a lot of insight, but it's Bible. It's beautiful, beautiful Bible. Okay, um, let's look at uh, let's look at Luke uh, twenty. Let's see what we can find in Luke 20. A couple interesting things. Just want to throw some interesting points in here so that we, uh, you know, not miss uh, the importance of the versatility of the word. Um, We're looking at um, Luke now uh, 20 verses 37. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now, I think it's pretty interesting the way Jesus posited that. Even Moses, he doesn't put him up at the cream of the top like a lot of people would think that he would be. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't have, you know, a certain position. But even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the Lord and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. For he is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. For all live unto him. And then It continues on, and it comes into this question in verse 41. And he saith unto them, How say they that Christ is David's son? And David himself saith in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. (coughs) this particular question confounded the scribes, the Pharisees, and it still confounds people in the church world today because they don't really totally understand it, but it's fairly simple. The Lord said unto my Lord, the Lord Jesus, or the Lord, let's say the Father, said to the Lord the Son, sit thou on my right hand, And notice right, there's a right hand, there's a left hand, till I make thy enemies thy footstool. It's very interesting, the power of conversion. Uh, Not just totally eradicating into nothing the enemies, but somehow turning them into something as useful as a footstool. And God, the Lord, the Father, said, I'm going to do this. Those are so, such important understandings, and they're important for you to understand this as I get deeper and deeper in, you know, to these teachings, because there is so much to say. There is so much, you know, to to bring out. Uh, we, we, we just need to know these things, and uh, if we are going to understand, um, you know, what happens uh, after uh, people become uh, deceased or, or uh, what, what happens uh, on the other side of death? Uh, people want to know, well, what do we do? Do we just lay in the ground for hundreds of years or thousands of years or and then suddenly we're, we're awakened? Uh, well, we're going to talk about all that because you need to know that in order to know the full story of In Search of Angels. Because that's what we're about, In Search of Angels. Uh, Talking about the angel of the presence, that's certainly an important part of our search. Because now we're in search of angels. We're not just talking about the cherubims and seraphims and, and other angels out there. We're suddenly being made aware that every person has within their own uh, uh, a person, uh, an angel of, the, of of spirit that's within, and that is the angel of, of uh, their presence. And that is so important to know because as I read the scriptures to you, these angels, which are our spirits, have divine knowledge. That they, this, Our spirits existed before the foundations of the world, and I've given you scriptures on that. And it has this knowledge. It's only that this state of amnesia that we are in, uh, which uh, the Bible calls this, you know, uh, the land of forgetfulness, it's only that state of amnesia that we are in that holds us back from being able to um, to understand all of the uh, wonderful revelations that could be coming from the angel of our presence once that could be released all right okay let's uh, let's go on here uh, some uh, really really neat stuff that we want to keep talking about because it just is almost uh, no end to uh, the wonderful things that can be revealed. Now, in Luke, um, in Luke nineteen, I want to read something, and uh, I think that that is very interesting. In Luke nineteen, Jesus is talking. And uh, he's given this parable, and and in verse 12 he says, And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Now, this nobleman, I think it'll become very, very clear that that Jesus is using the example about is he's talking about himself going into a far country. Someone says, well, you know, uh, he's talking about his kingdom on earth. No, that's not what he's talking about. You know, Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were were of this world, my servants would fight, right now while I'm on this earth, would fight for me to be put into the the kingship. That's what he says right in the Bible. You can find that. Look it up. Get your concordance. Said this is not my my kingdom. But the Bible, but people will say, yeah. But Jesus said in prayer. I think it's the sixth chapter of, of Matthew. To pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? And where is the kingdom? The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. It does not come by observation. God's wanting that kingdom of God of which the Bible says that every person that comes into this world, this is the first chapter of John, Gospel of John, every person that comes into this world is born into the light. This angel of presence is all part of this kingdom of God revelation. And I'm telling you that this earth is not the kingdom of God. Never was and never will be. It's a place of correction. A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. So obviously this far country is not where these people who are told to occupy till I come. They have been given a job wherever it is that they are. But there's a far country of which the Bible says in the 14th chapter of John that I'm going away, I'm going to the Father's house, I'm going to prepare a place for you to come. It's a far country. But in the meanwhile, here on this planet where Jesus was as a nobleman, He told people to occupy till he returned. But when he was even preaching this message, the people, it says, the citizens, which are the naturalized people of the earth, hated him. And said, we will not have this man to reign over us. And then it goes on with the story of, the, of, you know, the talents and what people had done with it, what they had gained and not gained. But there's a story here, ladies and gentlemen, that all ties together with many, many other scriptures, way more scriptures than I could possibly go into tonight. But I'm just giving you some scriptures for you to start looking into and studying because they're they're absolutely, utterly interesting. Now turn with me to Second Corinthians. And let's see what we find there. Second Corinthians. Get the right Bible here. And turn with me, if you would, to, to chapter 5, verse 1. Some of you people that have read me and said, well, you know, where are we going to be? Where does the scripture tell us that we're going to be? Well, I want to talk about as much of that as I can. Here's one of the scriptures on that subject. For we know this is Second Corinthians five one we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's our human body, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for what we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up in life. Beautiful Word of God. There is shown here a kind of instantaneous type of thing that happens. But we have to understand the application of state of mind, state of presence. But we know that whenever this physical life we have is ultimately dissolved, And that's what it's talking about. Because you may think, like, well, as soon as I die, as soon as I die this time, when I die this time, uh, in this life, that's the end. You don't know that at all. You don't know that that's the end. You're just carrying on with other things that you've heard other people say. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament... That every human being is going to get a time, number one, and a chance. Every human, there will be no human being ever born on this earth, whether baby or human being. If, it's, if you're an adult and you have not had your full time and chance, you're going to get it. You're going to get it if you have to come back and be born in another body. You're going to get it. Someone says, oh, you're teaching reincarnation. No, I'm not. I don't even believe in reincarnation because it's not it's not biblical, and it it has doctrines in it like transmigration that I absolutely don't believe in. But I do believe in regeneration, and I do believe that's all through the Bible. And there are not dozens of scriptures, but there are dozens upon dozens upon dozens, perhaps hundreds of scriptures that tie together with the revelation of that. It's all throughout the Bible. And you can understand when um, you know Methuselah lived so many years that he became the oldest recorded living man. But uh, his uh, 930 years was 70 years short of a thousand. And so this thousand that is number, the thousand generations with even Methuselah with all the years that he lived it's possible that he didn't get the time and the chance even in those 930 years that he could have should have had some will say well that would be incredible well of course it would but you got to understand time you've got to understand that time is just totally different than anything that we can imagine It is just not similar to the common kind of thinking that people apply to it. It is very, very, very different. And we want to talk about that in this search for the angels, this regeneration. Jesus, when he was asked, you know, how many times should I forgive somebody? Two or three times? And Jesus says, no, forgive seven times seven. See, those those are incredible incredible numbers. If you look up that word 70, I've had people say to me, I can't find that in the Bible where it says, you know, that uh, we're to live for 70 or 80 years. Well, that's because probably, if you're looking in the King James especially, it's listed under... Uh, you know three score and 10 instead of saying 70 because the score is 20. So you have 320s which is 60 and a 10 which makes 70. But the word is there but you just have to dig to find it. So we want to to dig up this thing because here here is something and this is this is tough this is a little hard for some people but when I'm through with this revelation, And if you will stick with it and you will listen to all the scriptures that go with it, you will never be the same. You'll never be able to pick up the Bible and read it the same way you did before. Your life will be changed. Your mind will be changed. Your heart will be changed. Your spirituality will be changed. You'll be moved on in a way that you have never imagined possible to be moved. Because this word of God, when it comes alive, it becomes so dazzling... I've had people, lots of people tell me that when they they begin to get into this revelation that some of the manifest books that we have published, they see light sparkling off the page. They see and they feel warm spots. Well, I, I felt the same thing with the Bible. I felt spots that were so hot that it was just like there was a heater in there. And God would be saying, read this. Once when I was waiting before God and there was no windows open and no, no no breeze at all, no fans of any kind, and and I was sitting there waiting before I was going to go down uh, to the audience, and the Bible was opened, and the pages on their own, with me just sitting back a foot or so from them, began to rise up on the Bible and turn one page at a time until it finally got to the exact spot and stopped where it wanted me to read and where it was I went down and I preached on that that evening and it was a victorious incredible service I believe in miracles and you know what if you don't believe in miracles you're almost wasting your time to to read the Bible you're almost wasting your time to believe in God because the Bible is full of angels the Bible is full of miracles the Bible is full of talking about God. And if we're to believe the Bible, we're going to have to believe that there's incredible things. Someone might say, well, I think that a lot of these things are just myths. Well, I think God uses myths. And I think that there has been throughout the course of history many myths about uh, similar uh, similitudes to Jesus. And I think that those were all like prophecies about the coming Messiah. And I don't have any problem with that. But people try to take those and make them into some kind of anti-Jesus thing. And that's just absolutely foolish. Because if you've really taken the time to read the words of Jesus Christ, it's just like what they said in the days he was on the earth. No one ever talked like him before. There's something about Jesus and the way he talked and the way he cared and the way he loved that's so precious that I've never never been able to read. All the reading, all the study all the tremendous uh, knowledge that I have on all the different religions, I've never seen anything that even comes close to comparing. So I want to encourage you with this word that we are speaking on tonight. Because it is just absolutely credible. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple things, and I don't want to blow you away, but there is so much... You know, the Bible talks about Abraham's bosom. I'll read a scripture about that after a while. And it talks about Lazarus going to Abraham's bosom. And then this bad person going to another place. They called it hell. A lot of their terminologies, how they applied hell, is not correct. But we'll talk about that uh, later also. Because they used hell one time in the book of Peter for the word Tartarou, which had nothing to do with Hades. But had to do with the human body, and the chains of darkness that it is. Anyway, let's let's go on. Now that we've talked on some of these incredible things, and it's just so absolutely exciting, I'm going to take you somewhere that may uh, have a <laughs> maybe, you know, not simple for you to follow follow into. But please do not judge it. Do not jump the gun on it. What I want to tell you is that we are in this universe, and we're not just stuck in a little corner of it, because that's all that, are, that we as humans and as, as, as uh, uh, angels of the presence uh, uh, were to ever experience. Anyone that's caught up into that uh, kind of thought is caught up into total limitations. Because I'm telling you that science is advancing, spirituality is advancing, and we are going out into space and going out into the universe. And that's Bible. And I gave you the scripture a little while ago on it. <clears throat> and I want to tell you that when I was a little boy, I used to look up at the stars. But I especially was attracted to the dippers, the little dipper and the big dipper. And I knew there was something about them, but I didn't know what it was. But it was like there was something locked in my memory that I couldn't free. But I knew there was something. Well, there is what is called, in the, the Little Dipper, is also called Ursa Minor. U-R-S-A, Minor, M-I-N-O-R. And there is a Gospel of the Stars that I'm reading from this Gospel of the Stars. I'm reading from this Gospel of the Stars and sort of skipping through it. And uh, Ursa Minor has been called the Lesser Bear. But if you really go through the ancient, ancient history, you will soon discover that uh, that's not totally a correct symbolic or or used name for it. Um, It it has ancient, older names. And um, the Urja Minor and the Urja Major are divided by the dragon this gigantic dragon star dragon this literally shaped by stars in the heavens of our universe separates ursa minor and ursa major and the father's house used to be located before the fall of the angels, in Ursia Minor. But the tail of the dragon, the Bible says, took and drew one-third of the stars, and there's three groups of stars, three groups of angels, the seraphims, the cherubims, and the ophanims. So one-third of those was the ophanims, and drew one-third of those and cast them down to earth. Because the Bible says that part of what caused the war, and this is in Jude, and Peter, was that the angels were moved from their first estate. They were moved from their first estate, and they went to this place called Drago, which was the dragon. And that's how Satan, or Lucifer, who became Satan, got the name Dragon was because that is where he took all of the, the stars of heaven that followed him the first time. So as you begin to see this revelation that's in the Bible and written in the stars, it's so absolutely astounding that this is greater than Star Trek. This is greater than Star Wars. I've got stories I could tell you. That as great as Star Trek and Star Wars were, this revelation would make those ideas look like toys. And I'm talking about far advanced scientific revelations given by the spirit of the angel of the presence. That's why I have a different idea about the creation of the universe that some of the scientists do. I have a different idea about magnetism and gravitation. I have a different idea about what they're calling flying saucers. Because I am not seeing things from the perspective that people are looking to in their limited conclusions. Now, let me read this out of the Gospel of the Stars. A very astonishing supposition that would lead any astronomer, ancient or modern, to locate the pole star of heaven in an imaginary tail of a feeble little bear? (laughs) No, the very idea is absurd, and such an absurdity that we may be sure the old prime evil astronomers are in no wise chargeable with it. The way in which Ursa Minor and ursia Major have come to be called bears is perhaps from the fact that the ancient name of the principal star in the latter, uh, dubie and Duba, as dob, is the word for bear. The Greeks took the name of that star as a meaning, the bear. But the real meaning comes from a different word, a Hebrew word, dober, which means a fold. And there are two sheepfolds. Now get this, that's very important. There are two sheepfolds. One sheepfold, and you remember the river I told you about, the tree of life? You remember that? Remember how people think there's just one tree of life and I showed you right out of the book of Revelations? that there's actually right there, it says it, three trees of life. Don't ever get this idea about one position, one thing. Don't ever get locked into some brainwashed idea. Now hear me. There's two sheepfolds. One is in the Urja Minor, or going to be in Urja Minor, and the other is going to be in Urja Major. And there used to be the place of the Ophanims in Urge Minor, the land of the seven stars of the Little Dipper, before they were moved by the suggestions and the influence of Lucifer. And the Bible says they were moved from the first estate. Now Jesus is bringing people back to the first estate. And he's he's preparing the place because of the wilderness that... Lucifer had made out of that place when he pulled out one-third of the angels of the stars. And, and then they, after the war, in heaven, they were ended up being cast down to earth. And Jesus is restoring that place. That's why it says in chapter 14 of John, he's preparing a place. Because he's going there. Someone says, yeah, but isn't that a physical place? Absolutely. Because the universe is going to, the universe is going to go on and on and on. Let me tell you something. When we talk about something being eternal, that doesn't necessarily mean it stays in the present state without ever changing. Why, we know that even Jesus, after the resurrection, in the 16th chapter of Mark, appeared to his disciples and other people in other forms. So there's transitional things that happen. These transpersonal things, Revelations I want to instill in you today are not just suppositions that, that belong to imaginary uh, freckle things. They, they belong to a deep, absolutely Bible revelation and to a revelation, ladies and gentlemen, that are written in the very stars that shine over your heads tonight if you are in the nighttime. Now, it's interesting that Urge Minor and this place of the Father's house, which is part of the star system that has the polar star, that gives the polar star to our North Pole on the earth, tying into the ministry, tying into all the revelation about the earth. It's, it's absolutely amazing. That this is tied in to <coughs> revelation of a chariot, whereas the the other seven stars, the the big uh, larger group of stars, uh, that that belong to Ursa Major. Um, Which is the large uh, differ? They're tied in to Arco, the the ship, the ship, like the ark. Now, here's what I want to share with you, because here's the real story about what the UFOs are, and that's been an absolutely appropriate name, because that basically says. UFOs, we don't know what you are. I don't refer to them as UFOs because we know what they are. We know exactly what they are. We know what the Bible says they are. And we're not into the regular UFO group. We're into the Bible revelation of all these things. Now hang on a hold here with me. Hang and hold. Because when the flood came upon the earth, there were eight people that were saved by the flood, by the waters, because they were in the ark. But that wasn't the only people that were saved. Someone says, Oh, oh come on now, where are you coming from? I'm coming from the Bible. I'm coming from the words of Jesus. I'm coming from what Jesus said. And what Jesus said was that as as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. <clears throat> and what would happen? Well, there would be two in the field. There would be two here, two there. One would be taken. The other would be left. And where would they go? The angels would be gathering them from the four corners of, of, of the earth, in the skies, to the meeting in the air. That's what what is going to happen after the tribulation. But the incredible thing is that, the, that Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. So what that means is there was a similar situation in which people were evacuated, other than the eight people on the on the ark were evacuated into the sky and were taken out of here. And who were those people? Those people were, now hear me, those people were the sons of Enoch. Enoch and his sons. Enoch who was suddenly taken one day. Disappeared. He was becoming familiarized with the ziths And they were taken. Because Jesus said that they were. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of coming the Son of Man. Two will be here, two will be there, two will be over here. One will be taken, the other will be left. Angels will come from the four corners of the earth we Will take them up to the meeting in the air. That's all Bible, ladies and gentlemen. It's Bible. As it was, as it's going to be, it was, that's how, it, it's because it was that way before. And how was it that way before? It was that way before, ladies and gentlemen, because those people were taken up in the exists and they were taken to the planet, the Father's house which we call not Ar- arturia the star but artura because of its coordinates to artura arturia so i don't want you to get that confused right now because there's a lot of astronomy stuff i'd have to show you but that's not for now but listen to me they were taken there and so when we have there's three kinds of spacecraft that that can come to this planet and I'll name, there's a fourth also, but there's three main ones that come. The Cherubim spacecraft, the seraphim spacecraft, and the Ophanim spacecraft. Now, there's, this is all in the Bible. I just have to have time to show you every scripture for all of this. But I'm just trying to speak by the Spirit as the Spirit is moving me in this. Now, here's the beautiful, incredible thing. Those people which are the sons of Enoch are humans. But those people that are of that family, they went to Artura, and they are on Artura now, and they live there, and they are way advanced of us who are on the earth, and they visit here. But most of the time, when, these people, when people talk about these little small men with the big eyes and all that, those are our robotic type of, of creatures, And, and some of them are, you know, may, are made with, uh, you know, with uh, fleshly bodies. And they are not the Arturians. They are not the, the sons of Enoch who come and visit here. Now one day, and we don't know how many of these sometimes slip through, the Bible talks about the locusts in the book of Revelations. Being lucid. And one day, Lucifer, what, with he does not have this. He has what's called zaps. And one day, they are going to come, and, and there's going to be another war. Another war in heaven. And the story is so incredible, and there's so much scripture for it. And I'm just telling you little gleanings of it right now. I'm not even beginning to tell you the whole revelation of it. It's a whole big book. I know what I'm talking about because I've had this revelation of it. I I could say more than even that, but it's not the time for me to say more than even that. But I want you to know that when the Lord told me many, many years ago, one day men will look into space and see their own face. It was talking about this thing with the the sons of Enoch, that we will see. And the sons of Enoch are different. They are not underneath the covenant of, of Abraham because they left the earth before Abraham was even born. They belong to the Melchizedek covenant of which the Bible says Jesus is after the order. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. It's all scripture, ladies and gentlemen. All Bible. And I will be rendering all those scriptures uh, in the course of time as we we get into all of this. Now, there are, are references to things like Paul when he mentioned that he was caught up into third paradise. That goes along with some incredible things that we need to know about. Now let's read a little bit more from this from this uh, uh, book of the St- Gospel of the Stars. Christ mysteriously transfers the church of the firstborn to heaven, while yet unmanifested to the rest of the world. And he's referring to this as being the place in Ursia Minor. And it is the stronghold of the saved, and it goes on, it talks about the pole star and the connection there. It talks about how that at one time the pole star was was, part of the dragon star. Alpha Draconis. But now that has passed and the pole star is in Ursa Minor. And the church of the firstborn in heaven uh, is instated in a fulfillment of prophecies that people are just not even aware is possible or has happened. And then it, it t- tells about a lot of the stars that are part of the sheepfold revelation, talks about Job 38. Where it refers to Arturus and his sons. It's all in the Bible. And it's so beautiful. Well, this is a big, big book. And I just want to read that little teeny bit out of that. And the mysterious ark ship that's in the stars. Picturing the stars. The gospel of the stars. Called Argo. And there are Argonauts drive this arc and they're part of the the constellation that is the larger constellation of the seven stars of the Big Dipper so let's leave this for now because that that is going to get so involved I don't know if I get done uh, to all the things that I want to talk about but let me let me get into some some other very important interesting things here um, let's look at um, let's 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 look at, at in the in the Bible um, and we just read to you out of the fourteenth chapter of uh, of John earlier uh, but let's let's look into you know uh, uh, some of these things, if you if you want to uh, see something important, let's look in uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Turn with me to Matthew 22. And we want to just read there because uh, there is uh, some absolutely neat stuff that uh, just needs to be covered. Are you ready? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Okay, here we go. Matthew uh, 22, verse 24. Here's what it says. Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were seven brothers. And the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, having no issue. And then it goes all the way through the seven brothers. They all die. And it leaves the wife. And it says, okay, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven is she going to be? And Jesus answered in the 29th verse, and he says, you do err, not knowing the scripture, nor the power of God. And and this is a fact. That there are Thousands of people that not only do not know the scripture, but the reason they don't know it is because they don't understand the power of the scripture. You can't have the one without the other. The minute you get into the knowing the scripture, you'll get into the power of its meaning. We cannot, we must not avoid getting into those kind of revelations because they are absolutely pertinent to the reality of of what everything means for us in knowing the Word of God and opening up the angel of our presence within us now he goes on to say for in the re- resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but as are but are asked angels of God in heaven now you cannot take one scripture and talk about the resurrection and say, okay, when does this apply? Because it totally depends on what aspect of the resurrection, what time of the aspect of the resurrection that you are applying to. Now, just for your advantage, I'll put putting this down on tape, so you can go back and you can look it up. But in uh, Psalms, verse 90, chapter 9 through 10, it talks about that we're given 70 years, and if by reason of strength we're given 80 years. And then in Psalms, and that is a life generation, not a re, not, a, uh, not uh, the generation where we, we raise a family, You know, we have a family. This is a life generation that the Bible is referring to. And I can give so many scriptures to prove that. uh, But, you know, I I can't go through 100 scriptures tonight and expect to get the message out to you. Because there's just more scriptures than than we have time to read all of them. And some of it you're just going to have to get in and read, you know, for yourself. But here we have seven lives. And I would like to say that these seven lives of these people that died, because this is a parable, represent the seventy thousand generations. Each person there is accorded a thousand years, and that the thousand generations of of seventy represent seventy thousand years, and that's what these these brothers represent. So if we're only into the first thousand years of the 70,000 uh, covenant generations, uh, then uh, the resurrections taking place in that time are not necessarily referring to the final resurrection, in which er- everything is all over, said, and done. And everything will not be over, all said and done, until the 70 or 80,000 generations is finished, which is 70 to 80,000 years. So people that are telling you that the end of our planet, the end of the world is coming, they have no scripture to base that on. I dare any of them to talk to me, to look at me, to try to debate that with me. Uh, as as some very, very uh, well-informed, uh, I have talked with with uh, priests. I have talked with, with uh, people that were head of large seminaries. Uh, I have talked with some extremely informed people and shocked them when I gave them these scriptures and had them say to me, many of them, several priests say to me, what you're telling is truth, but I don't dare teach that in the church. So I tell you people, uh, the truth has been held back and it's not been allowed to get out because people have been bound to the limits of their discretionary limits put on them by Boundaries of uh, of tradition and walls of denomination. So we have these seven seven brothers that represent these seven thousand generations, seventy thousand generations, and much scripture for that. You need to take a look in Psalms one hundred five eight through ten, and it will tell you about those those um, seventy thousand generations I'm talking about and and you will also be able to go uh, into uh, the third chapter of, of um, Galatians and it will tell you that the uh, that the uh, Abrahamic covenant that was made uh, way back when uh, cannot be revoked that it cannot be disannulled that it is still valid so if someone tries to say, well, that's under the old law, that doesn't apply now, no, you need to read Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. You need to find out that that particular covenant can, is, has been inscribed and signed on by angels, and it cannot be broken. That is an absolutely incredible, factual truth. Now, as to the scripture of the one-third of the stars being cast to earth, that's Revelations 12, verses 1 through 4. So as, as to the scripture of, uh, of planting the heavens from the earth, of mankind going out into to the universe and into space, and going to plant the heavens, that's Isaiah 51.16. So there's lots of more scriptures. We're going to get into as many as we can, and we're going to share this with you as best as we can. Uh, but but uh, in answer to one of the friends that wrote me, it says so. Where are we going to be? Oh my! You know, one of the hells, and I don't believe in hell like uh, has been taught in by the um, you know by the uh, uh, many of the church doctrines. I don't I don't believe in that kind of hell that they teach. Uh, that I I believe you know in a totally different uh, uh, thing. Like like for instance, people talk about going into hell and burning in hell. Uh, when you die and you go into hell, you'd be a spirit. And a spirit cannot burn. It's, it's not flesh and blood. It's not physical. And so that whole idea that they try to teach there is not based on Scripture, is not based on what Jesus was talking about, because they didn't understand what he was saying when he was talking about, you know, the Tartarou, uh when he was talking about Gehenna, when he was talking about Hades. They didn't understand that. And people try to say, well, it's all the same thing. You know, we don't want to make all these different words to mean different things because it will confuse people. No, what will confuse people is when you don't make it, you know, explicit like it should be. Uh, Because we know that the Bible says that it talks about the lowest hell. So if there is a lowest hell, then there has to be a hell above that. (coughs) They must all have different names and different applications. And some of this paganistic... Uh, ancient, uh, primitive notions that people have taught as being the Bible is absolutely not the Bible, not the Word of God. And there is no human on earth that can show that in the Bible and stand up in front of me and face the Holy Spirit of God and and last for 10 or 15 minutes uh, with this Word being plummeted down on them. To show them that what they're talking about isn't even scriptural at all. And, and one of the, when the, I talked to this one fellow who was over several Bible colleges, and I was quoting some scriptures, and he says, That's not in the Bible. And I said, Well, yes, it is. He said, No, it's not. And he says, I'm I'm ahead of blah, and I'm not going to name the Bible uh, colleges, because uh, I'm not here to put anyone down. But he was telling me his job, and he, he had quite a position. And so I said, well, I'll show it to you. So I opened up the Bible, and I, I showed him the, the Word of God, and I, I read that to him. And uh, and he saw it, and he says, uh, uh, he couldn't even see it. He, he read through it. He couldn't even see it or read it because he was so brainwashed with his doctrinal ideas, and I had to go over it several times before all of a sudden he saw it. And I saw his eyes brighten when he did see it, and he said, well, I never knew that was there. I said, you know why you didn't know that was there? Because that was never a scripture that was part of the, of, of the indoctrination of your beliefs. And that's why you didn't know that was there. But it's part of the Bible, and when we are interpreting scriptures, we need to understand them contextually. Contextually from the verse, contextually by the chapter, contextually by the whole book uh, within the Bible, and contextually by the whole Bible. And that's how you really have uh, the fulfillment of the Bible says, be, be able to prove all things unto all men who may inquire of these things. That is so absolutely uh, super important that we come to those kind of understandings and realizations. Now, let's see if we can get this story. In the book of, the, of, 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 uh, of Ezekiel, uh, chapter... Um, one sixteen, it talks about wheel in the middle of a wheel i also use that scripture to prove along with these many other unusual scriptures i gave you about the angel of the presence within us because that is the wheel within the wheel and a wheel is also circuits and the word wheel in the uh, book of uh, as used here in the book of ezekiel is is In the singular is Ophan, and in the plural is Ophanim, and so we have the Seraphim, the Cherubim, and the Ophanim, the three groups of angels. Now the Ophanims were the ones that ended up coming down and taking human bodies, uh, which that's who we are on this whole planet right now. And so in Ezekiel 13, or pardon me, in Ezekiel 10:13, it says, "As for the wheels, the Ophanim." It was cried in my hearing, O wheel. Now, there's another scripture I like to use for substantiating the angel of the presence. Because here's a voice that is speaking in his presence, speaking to Ezekiel, and speaking to the angel of his presence and saying, O wheel. And it's very obvious that this wheel in the middle of the wheel is what it's referring to. And it's very obvious of this recognition of the wheel having to do with human beings. There are other kinds of references there uh, that have to do with the cherubim. But, uh, you know, we don't have time to get into that right now tonight. Uh, But let's uh, let's just look at, uh, you know, a few other important things. Um, I I told you about one-third of the stars being cast to the earth. I think I mentioned already, but I'll give it to you again. Revelations 12, verse 1 through 4. You have that. You can look that up and give reference to that. Um, now, um, uh, and I read uh, the Matthew 22. Okay, let's see what else it is I want to share with you. Uh, there are so many good ones. Uh, let's look at. Let's take a break here and look at 1 Corinthians 15. This is really a good one. 1 Corinthians 15. When we we're talking about the resurrection. Let's just see exactly what uh, we can get into on this. First, First Corinthians 15. <clears throat> okay, we'll begin with the um, with the 15th verse. If you're ready, all right. Okay, here's here is here is what it says. First Corinthians uh, 15 verse 35. Okay. Um, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? And then, it's pretty harsh language here that Paul uses, but he says, Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be, but bare grain; it may chance of wheat or chance of other grain. God giveth it a body as it pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now there is so much here. This is talking. This is a resurrection scripture here, and this is talking about so many things. It's talking about the whole purpose when a body dies. The whole purpose is for coming into the revelation of the purpose of. The life of that body, and and that uh, uh, when the spirit of that body is quickened, uh, that is that is the whole purpose. And if we don't realize that that the that the quickening of the spirit is the whole purpose of the body having lived and died, then he says that makes you a fool. I, I you know I don't like to call people a fool. Uh, but you know, Paul was quite a staunch talker, and, uh, and then he says, "And it's not quickened except it, it die." So, for the for the uh, total release of the spirit, the the body has has to die, and we remember Jesus on the cross when uh, he gave up the ghost, gave up the spirit, in other words. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be. But bare grain, it may chance. Remember the scripture I quoted you, that every person will get a time and a chance? Exactly the, uh, the scripture of Revelation. You're going to get a time, you're going to get a chance. Okay. But bare grain, it may chance of wheat or chance of another grain. When you come back into a re in you may not come back into anything relative to the family that you were just in. Uh, you may come back in a tribe somewhere clear across the other face of the earth uh you may come uh you may uh, this time be born uh, as a rich person or as a poor person uh you may come one time as a male and another time as a female uh, it's it's all part of the unscrolling of things that are put in this category that we call reincarnation and and uh Uh, you're going to get your opportunity, your chance, uh, to have a time and an opportunity to overcome. And if it takes seven times seven to do that, uh, or it takes seven lives to do that, whatever it takes is going to happen. And we see in the Revelation in in the book of Matthew where there is given this revelation about the little children that were slaughtered by Herod. And uh, if you go back into the Old Testament and the re- reference that will be right there in, in, uh, uh, in the New Testament, you'll find that what it says is that all those people that Herod killed, that they are going to get a chance to live again. It says it right in the Bible, right word by word. They're going to get a chance. They're going to come back. They're going to live again. because. Those children did not get a chance to fulfill their life. Now, I've had people say, well, I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't taught that. I was taught that if you're a child or a baby and you die, you go straight to heaven. That is so absolutely, and this may offend some of you that are real touchy on the subject, that is absolutely false. There's no scripture whatsoever for that. There is not one anywhere in the whole Bible that, that, that teaches that. That is not Bible teaching. Uh, if that were the case, then we'd all be better off to die as a child. We'd automatically go to heaven. We'd have to worry about anything else. We'd have it made. That teaching is just ridiculous. Uh, those children, the Bible says, uh, that were slaughtered by Herod, are going to come back. They're going to live again. That's regeneration, not reincarnation. Regeneration. There is a big difference if you know the whole doctrine. I don't have time tonight to give you the whole doctrine. You know, but but I want you to understand there is lots and lots to it. Okay, I can't go just on forever here, <laughs> and I have got so much to say. But there's no way, like I said, I could finish it tonight. But let's let's read just a little bit more of this. You know, you you, you can you could chance of some other other body, another barren. It may be grain or wheat. Uh, God giveth it a body as it has pleased him to every seed his own body. Okay, now. Um, let's skip on down to um, uh, verse 42 so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown in corruption it is it is is sown in in, in corruption it is raised uh, in in incorruption it is sown in dishonor it is raised in glory it is sown in weakness it is raised in power it is sown in a natural body it is raised a spiritual body There's a natural body, there is a spiritual body. So you see that when we talk about the final uh, resurrection, we are talking about the conclusion of every person having to fulfill their time and chance. And and they have finished their opportunities to overcome. They've had every chance, making everybody having the equal, same opportunity of life. So everybody is equal in their time on the planet. That's why there's 70. Thousand to eighty thousand generations, uh, which is the covenant God gave to Abraham, is absolutely essential. everybody is going to get their time everybody is going to get their chance <clears throat> you one time you may live one part of the earth, another part of the earth uh, you're going to get your chance to fulfill equally with others uh, the same opportunities at the same time and it's beautiful, uh, but ultimately, when you have finally finished the full aspect of this resurrection, then you are going to lay down, if you're an overcomer, you're going to lay down corruption. If you're an overcomer, you're going to, you're going to uh, come into the glory of that resurrection. And you're going to uh, uh, come into um, uh, glory instead of dishonor. And you were, through that period of time, uh, dealing with a natural body, But when the final fulfillment of the resurrection is in place, you'll be raised a spirit body or a spiritual body. And there is a natural body and there is a a spiritual body. As it was written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last man Adam a quickening spirit. So there's more. There's so much more. But, you know, what can we say? Um, It's... uh, just absolutely amazing, uh, all of the things that are going on. There's things I'd like to cover about Abraham's bosom. There's things I'd like to cover about the trip that Paul made to paradise. I'd like to cover about the thief on the cross that Jesus said, This day you will be with me in paradise. I'd like to cover uh, the sleep, uh, which is a state and not death. I'd like to cover the baptism of the dead, talked about in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine. 29. Uh, My, there's a whole world of things to cover, but we can't cover everything, and we haven't even covered all of the Scripture from the last teaching on, uh, you know, uh, In Search of Angels. We will, Lord willing, do that, uh, because our next week we will go in uh, to In Search of Angels number three, and we will continue with that. So now I want to go into uh, Gentile, and I want to deal with, um, with uh, ministering to people. Uh, we have been having some of the most outstanding, wonderful uh, uh, healings. Uh, it's, just, it's just been absolutely amazing. And I really thank God for these amazing healings that are taking place. Uh, they are sensational. Um, I uh, had an experience while in California to work on uh, a young lady, who has MS, and uh, she told me that uh, she was um, in a situation where her the whole right side of her body, she said, uh, had no feeling. She could not feel. You pricked her with a pin, she would not be able to to feel it. And we did uh, the uh, uh, gentile and the subduction noses on her, and afterwards, uh, I took a little bristled brush and I just slightly ran that along her arm, and she says, Oh. Oh, I can feel that. I can feel that. I can feel on my left side now. and uh, I checked about a week later with uh, uh, her uh, mother, uh, although this young lady is an adult, I checked with her mother because I want to have a, a, you know a second opinion on it and uh, uh, she told me she said, yeah, she says it's, it's real. Uh, she still can feel uh, she wasn't able to feel. And now she can still feel on the right side. So it's the beginning, uh, you know, of, of just a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, today I want to concentrate on uh, doing gin towel uh, for people that have uh, diabetes and for people that have a problem uh, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, automatic immune uh, I want to deal with uh, with those two particular kind of people. Uh, that does not mean that there will not be benefits for the listeners, uh, as would transfer to other subjects. Um, I have been getting some revelation on mass uh, services. I'm to hold over this uh, uh, public broadcast system, and uh, these these things are just. Just unheard of before. I don't know of them having ever been done. I'm not re- ready to reveal that to you uh, tonight. <coughs> but um, they're absolutely incredible, and uh, that's that's coming up. That's coming up. Okay. So um, I want to first say I am not a doctor. I, I, I'm a doctor of theology, but I'm not an MD. I'm wanting to say that when I first received the knowledge of the of Gentile. Uh, It was because I got up early one morning and I was praying for some very close family members and I was quite upset about the fact that these people had had, uh, contacted a uh, physiological disorder uh, that uh, they had no cure, no medicine that would do anything but just sort of keep them in a lulled state. And 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 then I just thought of all the people in the world that are sick and that you know that need help. This in no way t- uh, takes from the doctors, the clinics, the nurses, the hospitals, uh, many various kinds of uh, health organizations, and, and people that are trying to to uh, deliver uh, help to people medically. Uh, this does not take anything away from them. Uh, this is just something that I received as I prayed one day on the side, of, sitting on the side of my bed at five o'clock in the morning, and asking God, "Is there anything that You could use me for? Is there anything You could give to me so that I could help people, so that I could help people be healed uh, that that are not able to get help or attain help other places?" And God began to give me this revelation of the Gentile, which is a method of of speaking. Uh, uh, to the the uh to the brains of, of, of persons and and to uh using electromagnetic energy uh at a special uh, volume of hertz a low volume of hertz that does not have a signature and when, it, when the message goes into the brain the brain cannot differentiate that that message uh is from a, uh from it, itself or something else it basically takes that message as being from its own uh, uh, neural uh, capabilities and then begins to send that message out to the body, uh, instructing uh, um, various parts of the body to perform uh, various kinds of messengers such as hormones uh, to transmit. It it deals through the pituitary and the hypothalamus. Uh, It deals with all the different hemispheres. So uh, uh, here we go. Uh, uh, I I I w- want you just to understand that uh, I what I know and have received, I have received it only because of God's mercy. And and that someone said to me, "Do you have to have faith to get healed like this?" And I tell people, "No, you don't." And someone said, "Really? Well, I never heard of that before. Is this is this?" Uh, based on spiritual thing? Well, absolutely. Uh, God created the universe. Uh, the Bible says that that man uh, ha- is wonderfully made, and he made our bodies so wonderful that he incorporated in our bodies uh, uh, pharmaceutical aids within our bodies uh, so that we could be healed by these um, uh, tremendous... Uh, 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 experiences of releasing uh, these uh, energies that will uh, take out the toxins, take out the stress, that will uh, remove from us the impeditions that have caused our body to not be able to, to function. Some of it is environmental. Some of it is, is just genetic. But it all still has to be dealt with. It still has to be removed. And, and so that is what He's shown me that as I can talk to the, to the body, and then the body responds, and, and and you know I don't want to be the chief uh, of Gentile. Uh, I I'm praying and believing that God is going to raise up uh, a tremendous number of people. Uh, I know that people have been healed of cancer. I know that people have been healed of of uh, liver diseases. Uh, I. Uh, Endometriosis uh, that doctors have said uh, this would take an operation. <clears throat> I've had people with crushed uh, 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 on, the, on their back. I've had people with crushed um, uh, parts of their back, and I've seen just overnight uh, how that uh, uh, these things can can be changed in such a wonderful manifesting way. So uh, just hold in there. Here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to the hypothalamus to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue and the spinal column. Begin to send messages in concentrated form uh, and begin to send, send these both uh, in uh, the gamma uh, of superior and inferior uh, as it deals through the hypothalamus. Uh, begin to deal also through the uh, 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 cerebrum uh, leads uh, to be uh, uh, exhibited in the brain and to not come into inhibition, uh, but to come uh, into using uh, this projection as a target for overcoming uh, the inferior uh, aspects that have uh, developed in the body as a result of the interferences that are in the bodies to which I am particularly uh, responding uh, with this message to those who are fighting uh, autoimmune and who are fighting uh, 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 diabetes. Um, hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to the hypothalamus, to the thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic to the sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white cord. Uh, 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 to the the white uh, core of um, neurons in the spinal system, Uh, begin to send these messages uh, throughout the entire body, uh, down through the corpus callosum, down through the various uh, lobes and the hemispheres, Uh, begin to deal uh, with the various organs that are related uh, to the immune system, such as um, the lymphatic glands, and such as the thyroid, uh, and begin to deal with these uh, particular organs uh, and and release in the body uh, the hormone levels and the trajectory of these hormones by uh, uh, healing the messenger hormones so that they are the right color and so they are the right shape uh, to fit the receptors and to turn on and trigger Uh, these messages from those organs that relate uh, to the subjects of which I am uh, uh, endowing upon people for deliverance tonight, Uh, begin to release uh, uh, a uh, serotonin uh, in the brain stem uh, as an excitation uh, uh, to induce... Uh, a sensory perception in these people that I am particularly ap- applying this message to tonight, so that <clears throat> they begin to be aware of the energy that is uh, that is moving in their body, and that they begin to feel that this aspect uh is now giving them control of their mood, giving them control of uh of their stress. Uh, hypothalamus to the pituitary, hypothalamus, to the thyroid to the left hemisphere of the brain, uh, begin to send messages into that part of the brain, uh, the left hemisphere and the stress uh, center, uh, in order to uh, create anti-stress hormones and to remove any stress hormones uh, that uh, might arise. Uh, begin to deal specifically uh, uh, into the neuropeptides. Uh, uh, such as would be um, interconnected uh, from experiences through the thalamus, uh, parts of the limbic system, spinal cord pathways, uh, so that um, the, the uh, inferior impulses and pain impulses uh, are not uh, pressed on, but are suppressed and then finally put into... Uh, non-existence Uh, that would refer to the uh, problems with the dietary and uh, the the problems uh, that is found uh, for people that are are fighting diabetes Uh, begin to have release of uh, a small amount of concentration of endorphins uh, from the pituitary gland uh, to um, to uh, link um, uh, this uh, deliverance uh, uh, against depression uh, and and against uh, uh, negative sensory nerves uh, so that uh, the conditions that have been in the body are not stimulated. Uh, Begin to deal uh, with a balance of the uptake and the downtake uh, in the body's flow system uh, so that those that have this autoimmune problem are balanced uh, and that and they, they are not uh, over with immunities uh, that lead to the automatic immune. Begin these processes uh, and begin regulating the hormones accordingly uh, so that uh, from the pituitary and the hypothalamus glands uh, these healings can become complete. If there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anti to this, they are canceled. So then, ladies and gentlemen, wow, what a long message, but it's the word of God. We'll be back on next week at the same time. Tell your friends. Get them on. Next week is going to be a real, real earth buster. God bless you and keep you. check in on the man on the other blogs. God bless you. Amen.